0: love that song. It's a song by David Crowder, um, obviously called Red Letters. And we know that the red letters changes us, right? The words of Jesus changed every one of us in this room that are believers. Now, we know that all of God's Word changes us, absolutely. But those red letters, when we read those for the first time and God got a hold of us, the ground began to shake under us, didn't it? You know, this morning, as has as already been indicated, is Palm Sunday, Best way to describe this day is it is the beginning of the end. Palm Sunday is the first day in what would be the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. Think about some of the events that happen over a period of eight days. We have the triumphant entry where Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem. And the crowds praise him and worship him. Um, Jesus is going to cleanse the temple. He's going to challenge the religious leaders again where they will go toe to toe. He will institute the Lord's Supper. And then will come the day that he is going to be arrested. He is going to be tried. He is going to be found guilty. And he will be crucified. Luckily, it doesn't end there, does it? They place him in that grave on Friday, but three days later, Jesus rose to life again. We're going to come together on Friday, as indicated earlier, and we are going to reflect upon what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then we're going to come back together on Sunday, and we're going to celebrate his grace. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do this by actually looking at um, the resurrection story. But we're also going to look at the story of Barabbas and Jesus. How the crowd cried out, give us Barabbas. And we're going to look at a picture of God's grace when Barabbas was released and Jesus went to the cross. So I'm already looking forward to that. So I hope you are going to be prayed up this week. Let me just ask you to begin now praying, if you haven't already. Get prayed up, get prepared up, get proclaimed up. And as we've looked at over the past several weeks, man, we need to pray for all people because Jesus died for all people. Now we've been commanded to go to all people. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 together today, and we're going to look at the triumphant entry when Jesus does enter into the city of Jerusalem. And we're going to take a little bit different um, approach this, this morning, and, and we're not going to look at how the crowds responded as much as we're going to look at how the disciples of Christ responded. So notice with me, beginning of verse, 11, or verse 1 of chapter 11 we read. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Beth Page in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter in it, it, enter it you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you why are you doing this, say the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door. Outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing? Untying the colt. And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road. And others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. You know, all throughout these verses, we see the obedience of Christ chosen, don't we? Jesus commanded his disciples to do something. And what did those disciples do? They act upon that. You know what disciples do? Disciples listen when they are instructed. And that is exactly what Christ's disciples did. So notice our first point this morning. We're going to be looking at some characteristics of these disciples. But notice our first point. It is this. The disciples had ears to listen. In verse 1 and 2 again we read, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage at Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go. You know what those disciples did whenever Jesus said, go? They went. They didn't argue. They didn't complain. They didn't question Jesus' motives. They just immediately responded, and they went. And from the moment that we are first introduced to the disciples, that's what we see from them. They were men who acted out of obedience. Jesus said, go, and they went. In fact, they dropped everything, and they followed after Jesus. Notice in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Notice how the disciples responded when Jesus did indeed call them unto him to be his disciples. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Think back to the moment of your salvation, okay? Think back to that day that you surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ, How did you respond? Was it just an immediate prompting where Jesus said, Come and follow me, and you literally left everything behind? Or or for some in this room, it may be that Jesus called you and you didn't respond immediately. It may have taken days, it may have taken weeks. It may have taken months or it may have even taken years. I was talking with a, a a church member this week who was in my office and and she had expressed to me that it had taken years for her to respond to Jesus Christ. Some of you may be in that same boat where you felt the Lord prompting you, but you said no, or you said wait, Um, and as a result of that, you probably missed out on some ministry years. Some of you may be in this room today, and you have heard the Lord calling you to follow you, but you have been rebelling and saying, no, 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 I'll do it when I get older. I'll do it when I get more time, when it's more convenient for me. But that's not what a disciple of Jesus does, is it? When Jesus calls, what are we to do? We are to immediately begin to follow him. You know, when I think about the disciples, you know, there were, you know, yes, they responded immediately. But, but they had what I like to call foot and mouth disease as well. And so oftentimes the disciples did what? They put their foot in their mouth didn't they. Jesus would tell them something, they would respond in obedience, but sometimes they would kind of question why he wanted certain things to happen. I think you and I, if we if we're honest, we respond sometimes that way too. We have a little bit of a rebellious streak in us just like my two precious kids do. You know, um not going to pick on them this morning, but the, the, the daughter that I have, or my wife's daughter, let's just look at it that way, that way I don't get in trouble for this, but, but I will ask her to do something, and immediately out of her mouth is, why? Why do you want me to do that? Or she'll start rationalizing with me. You know what? A disciple, when they are called to do something, they immediately obey, don't they? As should every kid in this room. When your parents say, do something, do it. Amen. I got one amen. There you go. Mark 4, 9, we read, Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Let's respond to the Lord obediently. Notice next, the disciples had feet to go. In verses 2 and 3 we read, And Jesus said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. So Jesus tells two of his disciples to go into the village where they are going to find a colt, which is an Unbroken donkey okay? And they were to commandeer that donkey and they were to bring it back into the city. You know, oftentimes people are going to, um, when they come to verses like this, they try to rationalize, how did Jesus know that there was a donkey inside that city? Well, some people will say, even as I was studying for this message this morning, I I came across some people's reactions and some say, well, obviously Jesus knew that there was a donkey inside that city because Jesus passed through that city. And, And as he was walking, through the city, he saw that colt, and so he knew that more than likely that colt would still be there whenever he needed it. Um, But but I like to believe that since Jesus is the one that created that donkey and he created all things and spoke all things into existence that he didn't really have to walk through that city to know that cult was going to be there. It was just there um, because he had preordained it to be there. You know, a lot of times we try to rationalize in God's word, well, how did this happen? Um, well, maybe there is a scientific um, explanation for this thing or that thing. Well, if, if, if it was spoken to existence... Um, then we can believe it. If it was written in this word, then we can believe it, okay? Um, Yesterday or the day before I was reading, apparently, and I didn't know this, there's a new um, movie out called Mary Magdalene. Okay, and and it, Jesus in it is played by Joaquin Phoenix. Now, I was reading a little bit of an explanation about the movie, and and um, Joaquin Phoenix was being interviewed, and and he was asked about his role and everything, and he and he said, you know. Um, Basically, he said, I took a little bit of liberties with the movie. He said, you know, there's a scene that it called for me to, to pick up some dirt and to spit in that dirt and to take the mud and to place it on um, a blind person's eye. And she goes, or he goes, well, that just didn't make sense to me. Who does that? And he said, so when it came time to film that scene, instead of doing what I, you know, the script said to do or what God's Word said happened, he said, you know, I just kind of um, licked my thumb and I put it over the, the, the lady's eyes because that made more sense to me. You know, there are times that if we're not careful, we take the same liberties with God's Word where where we know that God's word says to do this but we're like well that just doesn't quite make sense and so we kind of fill in the blanks don't we well we can't do that we've got to believe all of this is true and act upon that these disciples they didn't question Jesus when they went into that city they just immediately obeyed and went and believed that everything was going to pan out just as Jesus had said. Now, there's some significance in what we see in this passage this morning. What Jesus is calling his disciples to do will be the fulfillment of a 500-year-old prophecy. Reaching back to the book of Zechariah, Verses, verse, chapter 9, verse 9, we read this. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous in having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. 500 years before this event happened, it was it was. It was Prophesized in Scripture that it would happen. And here, 500 years later, that passage is fulfilled when Jesus does mount that donkey and enter into the city of Jerusalem. You know, have you ever wondered why Jesus told his disciples to, to go and ride an unbroken donkey? Why didn't he just tell them to go find a, a, a one that had already been broken? Would make a little bit more sense. Well, the reason for that is because anything offered up to the Lord had to be pure. And an unbroken donkey would have qualified as being pure. Part of the miracle of this day is the fact that this donkey was unbroken. People don't just jump on a donkey and ride it, do they? I've never ridden a donkey broken or unbroken, and not planning on doing it, but I do understand that they are mean, they are stubborn, they'll buck you, they'll kick you, they'll bite at you, and they are loud. And that is a broken donkey, okay? An unbroken donkey is going to be that and then some, right? You know, when I think about a donkey, I think about us in this room, okay? You and I can be a l- stubborn, can't we? You know, you and I can be mean. We can be stubborn. We can be loud. We can be rebellious. Sometimes, I don't, but sometimes you might bite. You might kick other people, but donkeys are mean. Well, sometimes you and I as Christians can act in the same way, and we need to be brought under control just like this donkey would have been brought under control by the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. There are going to be times that the Lord calls us to something without giving us me- much explanation. And when he calls, we need to respond in obedience and go. In Romans 10, verses 12 through 15, we read, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, you and I have all got pretty feet in this room. Pedicured or not, we all have pretty feet. And we all have been commissioned out by God the Father to go, haven't we? Notice our next um, point is this. The disciples had a will to obey. In verses 4 through 6 we read, And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. So disciples had ears to hear, feet that went, and a will to obey. So the task that Jesus has given his disciples here probably sounded a bit strange to them. Jesus is telling them to go into this village and to find a colt that has been tied up. Jesus doesn't say, hey, go out into the field where there is plenty of donkeys that's roaming free and grab one of those and bring it back to me. No, Jesus says, go into the city, find one tied up and bring that back to me. You know what he's basically telling the disciples here? Go and steal me a donkey and bring it back. Who would be in there? You know, I would be like, okay, Lord Justin back there. Um, I would be like, Lord, if you're calling me to go and I get arrested, please be there and bail me out of of prison because that's what I would think. Hey, if I'm going in and steal something, I'm either going to get shot or I'm going to, to get thrown into prison. Well, the disciples, they were obedient and they went and did what they were commanded to do. You know, Jesus did make it clear that that the animal was going to be returned. So I guess that makes it a little bit better. But you know, in the first century, that if a dignitary needed something, all they had to do was go up and commandeer it. Kind of like today. If a dignitary needs something of yours, and and, and, and they need it, they can just take it. You know, it doesn't seem fair, but that's all that it takes is them just... Taking it. You know, sometimes the Lord calls us to do something that just does not make sense. This week, Danny um, and I were emailing back and forth, and um, I noticed, and you know, she's emailed me forever, but she probably has had this forever, but I'd never noticed it before. But her email signature had this quote from Wes Stafford, who's the president of Compassion International. Said, Every child you encounter is a divine appointment. Every child you encounter is a divine appointment. Look at it like this. Every person that you and I encounter is a divine appointment. These disciples, when they encounter the people that owned that donkey, guess what that was? That was a divine appointment. You know why that was a divine appointment? Because, because whenever those men asked, those disciples, who the donkey was, was for, we are told in, in the book of Luke that the disciples were instructed to respond by Jesus in this way. The Lord has need of it. They did not say, our master needs it, or our teacher needs it, or the rabbi needs it. They said, the Lord needs it. Meaning this, Yahweh God needs it. Those men would have understood that when, when those disciples spoke and said that the Lord needs it, they would have known that, that the God of the universe needed that donkey. That's why they released it over to him without there being any kind of an argument. Jesus gave these men instruction Because Jesus is officially making the declaration that he is not only master, teacher, and rabbi, but he is Lord, he is God in the flesh, he is the long-awaited Messiah, he is the promised Savior from creation's beginning. And he has come to, to assume his rightful place as the leader of Jerusalem. Not as the people had expected, but he would indeed be anointed Savior and King before all of the people this week. That leads us to our next point. The disciples had possessions to share. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. You know, the three gifts that are given over to Jesus right here in this passage of Scripture. Okay, All of us have possessions to give, don't we? We all have something to give over to the Lord. It's kind of like Bill had shared um, before our offertory prayer. You know, everything that we have is the Lord's. We're not going to take anything with us. Everything is going to be left behind. So us getting that in our mindset now is a good thing, realizing that, that it all belongs to the Lord anyway. And so if we would just let him redeem that which he has entrusted to us, that will be a very good thing. So three things that the disciples and the crowd give to Jesus. The first thing that we see here is the donkey was given over to Jesus. The owners really did not have a choice but to surrender over the donkey, but they gave because they knew that donkey was going to be ridden by a king. Kings did not ride on wild wild stallions during times of, of peace. They would ride on horses during times of war. But during times of peace, they would ride on donkeys. So Jesus is making the declaration as he enters into Jerusalem that he is indeed the Prince of Peace. The next thing that we see here is that the disciples took their cloaks and they placed it on the donkey for Jesus to sit upon. And this is pretty significant because, because... Probably ninety-five percent of all people owned just one cloak. They owned one outer garment, one jacket, because they didn't have money to afford more than one. And so these disciples take off their jackets and they place it on that donkey for Jesus to sit upon. Okay, you know when they got that thing back, it probably stunk a little bit, right? But they didn't care, did they? They took it off and they placed it for the Lord. To use. They gave it to him. And then we see the other disciples in the crowd. What they did is they took off their cloaks and they placed their jackets along the ground. And they also took branches we're told, which would have been palm branches. They put those and laid it along the road. And you know what they were doing there? Is they were l- rolling out the red carpet for the Lord Jesus Christ. For him to come into the city as a king and as a dignitary would have. And it would have been a pretty amazing sight to see. The disciples gave their possessions to Jesus. What is it that you have to offer Jesus this morning? What is it that you are still maybe holding on to that you have not yet given over to Jesus If you're not a believer in this room, if you're not a a Christian, you haven't ever entered into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, it may be that you need to give over your life to him. You need to make today um, a day in which you repent of your sins and cry out to Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You may need to give over your life. You may need to give him your praise or your worship or your joy, your gratitude, your family. You may need to give over to Jesus because You look at it as, this is my family. Well, no, it's the Lord's family. It may be you need to give your time over to Him and let Him redeem your time for His glory, your resources or your job. You know, I don't know what it is that you need to give up this morning, but I'm confident of this, that we all have something to give up, right? Right? There's, we all have certain things that we're holding on to that are keeping us probably from being used of the Lord like he would have us to be used. You know, um, I've shared aspects of this story with you before, um, but when I was in high school, man, my, my number one priority was was football and baseball, especially baseball. Baseball was my sport. I still love baseball um, and and. Chief and I, this, this week during our evangelism training, we were sharing our testimony with one another. We were just practicing back and forth. And Chief had shared with me that whenever he was in, in, in high school, that, that his really number one priority was sports. He loved football and, and loved basketball. And I asked him about baseball, but he just kind of blew me off when we talked about that. But as he was sharing with me that there had to be a point in his life whenever he just released over that to the Lord and began to live for him, um, that it reminded me of of my own um, when I played baseball. You know, as a senior in high school, um, before the end of the season, I was invited to, to play in what was called the Texas Rangers Showcase. There were two guys from from my team that went, myself and another guy. And it was supposed to be at the old ballpark in Arlington, but the morning of the game, um, it got rained out. The, somebody, somebody left the sprinklers on, apparently, at the stadium. And so we ended up going to University of Texas at Arlington to play. But at this, this game was going to be professional scouts and college sp- scouts. And so it was going to be my chance to be seen because we played 3A ball, and so not a whole lot of scouts came to watch us play. Um, and I wasn't that good anyway to, to attract them, but I was given an opportunity to go to this showcase. But before that game, a few weeks before, we were down um, at practice, and we were goofing around, and, and um, we, were, we, we had a pitching machine. The ball went into the pitching machine, and the ball curved as I went to swing. Ball hit me right on the hand, and in a moment, my hand broke. And right then, my dreams of playing Um, anywhere beyond high school were pretty much shot down. I still went to that showcase, struck out once, grounded out once, but you know the greatest thing that probably has ever happened in my life outside of my marriage and salvation and kids and all that stuff, it's probably when my hand broke. You know why? Because God used that to get my attention. The next two years, my freshman and sophomore year of college, were probably some of the greatest growth years spiritually of my life. If I would have gone on to a junior college to play baseball or whatever, then I promise you that that probably would have been my God, not the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes the Lord gets our attention, doesn't he? Sometimes we've got to just let go of that thing that we consider our number one priority and give it over to Jesus. For me, it was baseball. For chief, it was sports. For you, it may have been something that you gave up a long time ago, or it may still be something that you're holding on to today. What is it that you need to give up and over to the Lord? Notice our final point this morning. It is this. The disciples had lips to proclaim. In Mark chapter 11, verse 10, we read, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In Luke chapter 19, we get another um, picture of this crowd as Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem. But it says, As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, these people... As Jesus is entering into that city, they're praising him, aren't they? They're glorifying him with their, with their lips. Think back. Where do you think you would have been 2,000 years ago? If you were um, around the city of Jerusalem, which if you were a good Jewish person, you would have been around the city of Jerusalem because you would have come to celebrate Passover. Okay, the city of of Jerusalem at the time, I think, had about 80,000 people. But during Passover, it said that as many as 3 million people would crowd into that city to celebrate Passover. So where would you have been? Would you have been lining the streets, praising and glorifying the king as he came into his city? Or would you have been with the Pharisees trying to conspire a way to to see that Jesus would be arrested and crucified. Or would you may have, you might have been still in the field, working the ground, oblivious to all that was going on around you. You know, the same can be said of us today. You know, we are either praising the Lord with our lives or we are really acting as if we were against the ways of the Lord through our lifestyle. Or sometimes, man, we just become so distracted with life that we don't give Jesus our top priority. And I find myself in that, in that, in that category a lot of times. I get so busy doing good things that I don't do the best thing, that's what we're called to do, is do the best thing. What's the best thing that we can do is praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and represent Him well as we go throughout this life. Now, the crowd, they cried out, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Within that crowd, there were some true worshipers, some true men and women that knew that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the King, and Lord because they saw Jesus demonstrate his his. his divineness over and over. They saw him turn water into wine, heal the lame, provide sight to the blind, feed the 5,000, walk on water, release the tongue of the mute. They saw him a few days even before this, call forth Lazarus out of the grave. They witnessed Jesus over and over demonstrate that he was indeed God in the flesh. They were true worshipers. Some when they cried out, so when they cried out, Praise to the Lord. They knew that they were in the presence of the king of the universe. And as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, there's also the crowd. Okay? Within that crowd, they would have been singing Hosanna. They would have been, been praising the fact that the king had entered into the city. And they would have been acknowledging that, that even Jesus was a savior. The problem was they didn't see Jesus as the savior who had come to take away their sins. They saw Jesus more as the savior who had come to, to deliver them from Roman oppression. And so they, they had no problem praising jesus problem is they didn't see jesus as who he was they saw him more as a king that had come into the city who was going to assume the Defitic throne you know there all of us have to respond to jesus in one way or another we have to acknowledge him either as a good man or we have to acknowledge him as being the savior of the world Have you responded to Jesus? Have you given your life over to Jesus and confessed with your lips that he is indeed Lord and Savior? Now, here's the deal. Jesus has promised that he is going to come again, okay? And he came the first time as Savior. He's going to come uh, the second time as being the sovereign, righteous judge, There's going to come a day when every single one of us in this room are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have to give an account for our lives. For the unbeliever, you'll have to give an account for your sins. You'll have to give an account for every sin that you ever committed on this planet. For the believer, okay, you know what? We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ as well. And we're going to be rewarded for the fact that we knew him as our Lord and Savior. If you were to stand before the judgment seat of Christ today, would you be condemned or would you be rewarded? With these lips, at the beginning of this week, people praised him. Toward the end of the week, the very lips that praised him, many of them are going to cry out, crucify If you haven't ever praised the Lord, let me invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to give your life over to Jesus Christ. You know, the disciples, all disciples, need to have ears to listen, feet to go, will to obey, possessions to share, and lips to proclaim. The Lord is looking for dangerous people. He's looking for devoted people. And he's looking for faithful people. He's looking for people like you and me to be about his mission and his work. Now, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah stands before the throne room of God, he acknowledges his sinfulness, he repents of that sinfulness, and then he hears the Lord cry out, Whom shall I sin? Or whom shall we sin?" Speaking of the Trinity, whom shall we send and who will go for us? And what did Isaiah say? He said, here am I, send me. The Lord is looking for workers today. He's looking for men and women like you and I to respond to him and go. You know, it's no surprise to any of us as we, as we have looked around this room over the, hello, over the past um, few months, we've seen that our numbers have, haven't been where they need to be. And, you know, I've been frustrated by that a little bit as your pastor. Um, you know, our numbers are down, our giving numbers are down, and that, that has frustrated me. But you know what else I believe that it's doing? I think it's creating a crisis in us where we realize that, that we have to be about the Great Commission, We have to be about the work of Christ. And even this week, I've been hearing testimony after testimony of men and women in this church saying, you know, this week I was buying some sod and I had the opportunity to invite somebody to church. I was at a restaurant and I had the opportunity to invite somebody to church. I had the opportunity at the dog park to share the gospel with somebody. Hearing more and more of that these days. And that's a good thing because you know what's going to start happening? We're going to start inviting people and they're going to start showing up. We're going to start sharing the gospel with people and people are going to start responding to the gospel. And that's going to be a good day of celebration. That's going to be a day when we start seeing these baptismal waters stirred. I'm looking forward to that. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take you and I responding just as Isaiah did and say, here am I. Send me. Use me. Let's make that commitment that we're going to let the Lord use us. Even this week, as we make preparations for Easter, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, let's be about the mission of the church and going and inviting people to be here with us. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and if there's a decision that you need to make, I want to invite you to come. You may be here this morning, and you've been visiting this church a while, and you feel the Lord is leading you to make Friendship Baptist Church your church home. You may be here this morning, and you, um, man, the Lord is just um, speaking to you, and you realize, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If I was to die today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If that's you, I want to invite you today to make the greatest decision you could ever make. You may be here this morning, and, and the Lord has impressed upon your heart that I need to do this, or I need to go and share with this person. Use this time of invitation to pray for that person, to pray that the Lord will give you the boldness to go, and that he will open up that pathway for you to do that this week. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time in your house, Lord. Thank you for the promise of your word. Father, thank you for the story of of grace. Father, the story of redemption. That's all throughout the pages of your word. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord Jesus, just... Asking of you, I am asking of you that you will use me in ways like you've never used me before. Use me to preach your word in ways that I've never been able to preach before. Use me to proclaim your word amongst those that I do life with like never before. Use me, Father, just to go into this community and be used um, of you to, to help disciple and equip people to become Christ followers. Father, I don't know what decision needs to be made in this room, but you do. Father, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that you'll draw them unto salvation. Maybe some here this morning that have been visiting this church a while, but now is the day that you're leading them to make this their church home. Otherwise, Father, during this time of invitation, may all of us pray. Pray specifically for that person that you placed on our hearts to share the good news of salvation with. Father, just speak to us during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a decision you need to make. You come. You come now during this time of invitation. Otherwise, if you're not going to come, let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's just spend the next few minutes just praying to the Father.